Hello, listeners. This is the Pit Stop Podcast. I'm Jordan Dollar Coleman. I'm joined by Tyler Walzak. I don't know whether or not Tyler, uh, anyone else, almost forgot there was a race this weekend. I know you did. I, I'm pretty sure I told everybody there wasn't a race this weekend in my race preview of this Brazilian Grand Prix. This is one of those races that uh, you and I had circled for a little while because it was yeah. a, a weekend we're used, we, we usually enjoy. And the reason being, it's, it's one of the shortest circuits. Um, uh, and it's it's just an interesting circuit, right? Because like there's so many different types of corners here. That it, it, it's, uh, it's an anti-clockwise circuit. So there's different types of tire wear. You've got some high speed corners and a lot of low speed corners. And then... A couple good overtake spots and this has been a track where we've seen some great overtaking over the years and obviously this is this this is the track where i would say arguably the best sprint of any of the formats of sprint we've had was at this track in the first year of the sprint when hamilton worked his way back through the grid and we all kind of went "Ooh, the sprint could be really something interesting yeah and then they tinkered with it and kind of broke it yeah and that was the season where you had Engines failing early in the um, in the schedule, so guys were having to choose. Teams were having to choose when they want to take their penalty for adding a fourth engine, right. um, or a fourth gearbox, or whatever it was that their car was was starting to figure out in the first five or six races. So this was a, a almost a foundation for me that the sprint would have been successful in the future is using it to try to get ahead of where you might need to take a penalty. Qualifying when you were exactly. Yeah. Um, and now I have even like, now I hate it even more, especially, and I, I found another reason to hate it this, this weekend watching the Brazilian Grand Prix events. Because in the sprint, we saw Mercedes slow in the straight line. They, because they're in Park Ferme, they're not allowed to do anything about that. So yeah. they know going into Sunday's Grand Prix, they are going to again, be slow, be slow in a yeah. straight line. You should be allowed if for anything, like, there's no point to this sprint. If you can't at least go try to fix the problem of what you noticed during actual race time, yeah. not qualifying, not practice, actual racing standards. If you can see that, Hey, we're really slow at this part. What do we have to do to make this a better race for us, for the product of formula one and for the fans tomorrow, all of that should be allowed if if this is what the future of sprint racing is going to be and we're going to keep this mold which i don't think is going to be it doesn't sound like anybody likes it no i think I have a feeling next to, year yeah. it's going to be completely different but if they stick to this then you have to be able to do like what is the point of it if you can't at least take that and learn from it so i know we tend to like to go linearly through the weekend but i want to jump mm -hmm. ahead just for a second because of what you just said which is true Mercedes immediately knew they were in trouble uh, when they got through this. And because, as you say, the way this, the, the weekend is restructured when you have this ridiculous sprint Saturday, basically, you're forced to do one final practice and then a qualifying on Friday. And then you're into this pretend race with a shootout qualifying and a mini race that means nothing. And then you get into a like a, the final day of the weekend where you're going back to the race you qualified for two days ago with the car that now you don't know, you can't do anything about it. But here's my hot take. Mercedes would have arguably have been in a better position had they just fixed their car and started in the pit lane, yeah. considering how the beginning of that race went and how we ended up with a red flag. And then they could have just worked their way through the field had they wanted to. But of course, hindsight's 2020. Anyway. No, that's a great point. Actually, that is a very, very, very good point because there we've seen guys start in the pit 
and have successful races where they get points and where Mercedes finished, they're definitely not happy with. So that, yeah, yeah you're right. Hindsight. To be fair, to be fair to them, been... they went with the calculated risk of there's also a, like, there's also a possibility, a high possibility that maybe the guys ahead of you are the ones that get caught up and trip over each other. And then you're in a good position, right? They only yeah. needed three cars, three or four cars to have a bad day and they could have been there, but that, you know, that's the gamble that they went with and, and whatever else. Anyway, let's go back to qualifying as we said. So, uh, Qualifying on Friday. God, short, it was like a long short time ago. Very short qualifying because my God, did the weather uh, come rolling in. I I will admit I watched qualifying well at work. So I was at the stadium. We were watching in the afternoon on the Friday. And I looked up at the TV a couple times, you know, while I was doing other things because I, you know, qualifying in, in some ways you can kind of get the sense of what's going to happen in qualifying as soon as you're in the last three minutes of, of, of one of those um, things. So I was kind of doing other things and checking in on it. I look up at one point, they had this big wide shot, probably from like the helicopter or something. And yeah. I was like, is that a tornado? Like, is that like a hurricane arriving? Like it was nighttime. And the drivers all said that it was like, it went from day to night. Literally the sun was blotted out and then the wind came and thank God yeah. no one got hurt in those grandstands. Cause like roofs were flying off of them and a section of grandstand collapsed. And it was just like, you know, it was, it was, I mean, they had to stop it, but um, it's funny because we had a weather related qualifying and this race is qualifying last year. If you recall, it was rain and mm. Magnuson got pole because of it. Unfortunately for Magnuson and house and everybody else that didn't happen here. Verstappen still had the fastest lap at the time, but um, that's, I mean, that there's something to be said about inversing the order of qualifying in some of these, especially when the, like the championships decided. Yeah. Like just, it should be, cause you're right. Like when Magnuson's in even like, even this, like stroll and Alonzo three, four, it's okay. Something's at least different and exciting. We're at the end of the year. This is, this was decided except for the midfield, which again, you have to watch the midfield if you're watching formula one, but for the people that very much only want to see who wins, you got to start these, the top, like at the back or in the middle of the pack. Um, so that, but that's, what's good about rain during qualifying. I think we had it in Montreal last year as well, um, where you get a different start top five on the front rows. And then you see if the, the guys who are supposed to be the top get there, that's more exciting. Yeah. So anyway, it leaves us with a with a rather predictable um, qualifying position. Obviously, as we said, Mercedes wasn't uh, having a great weekend, but we did get a sense pretty quickly there that the uh, Aston Martins had some pace and that they were going to be. Um, they, it, it, it's funny how like, you know, we've seen this a couple of times now where like teams that have taken a step forward, uh, you know, early in the year or whatever, slowly regressed. Whereas other teams that started off on the bad foot have slowly built back like McLaren has. And last week we knew that uh, what Aston Martin was trying to do was just not working because they took it off one of the cars completely. They just, they both they of them, I think. Yeah. They and so then the they basically, they scrapped that plan going into this weekend. And all of a sudden the car was fast again. And it just shows you how like fine the margins are. I mean, not to mention the fact that between, I believe uh, in uh, maybe it was in, the shootout but it may have been in qualifying one of the two qualifyings of the weekend it was like the difference between first and 18th was like a still a, within hundreds of a second like it was insane how these cars have slowly gotten closer to closer now that's in a qualifying session that certain cars are able to do that over the course of a race and certain cars aren't able to maintain those paces but it's interesting to see that we've definitely seen the the, the field tighten up which is good it means that the development of this new these new rules that are only in their second year have started to like 
come together and hopefully those teams can take big steps into next year with it. Um, so that takes us to Saturday. Let's let, let's jump forward to the shootout. And the yeah. Sprint. So you're, you're right. And then the sprint, the sprint shootout was when the Q3 margin was uh, 10.6 and then 11.1. Yes. That's right. Which is crazy, uh, right? Like that's one in 10. Yeah. That's one, and, you know, that's the tiniest little, little mistake, the tiniest little adjustment of your line, any one of those things going your way and you're climbing up the table. Yeah. And to me, like if we're, we're going to start, start talking about Saturday, I, there's one story that sticks out to me yep. and that is Alpha Tori. Yep. You didn't think I was going to go Okay. There? I had two. You, you think I was going to go there? No, I you didn't, didn't think, think that was going to be your story. There's a second story, but we'll get to that after. Let's talk about Alpha Tori. That's good. <laughs> we should because, uh, 100%. like this Saturday, Sunoda qualified sixth for a sprint. Um, Ricardo, Ricciardo, sorry, was eighth. Um, and then they both had a great, like, afternoon. Ricciardo was fighting the Ferraris the entire time. It was very frustrating to watch him knowing that he's a veteran continuously pass signs on, I forget what turn it was, but then the DRS zones right after. Catch so him, yeah. Yeah. So like, don't pass him on the DRS. Don't pass him on the turn. Like he did, it, I think three laps in a row. It was like, stop passing him in the corner. And at the same the time, you have to take the window when it's there. Cause you may not get it in the next one. And I wonder if the he first was time. Sure. To- the I second know, I time, sure. If he, the third think, time, come on. Yeah, I guess. Come on. I guess I think I I, I think that he, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I want to defend him because <laughs> I want to think like maybe he was playing like three-dimensional chess and he's thinking signs is expecting him to do it on the second one for that reason. And he's trying to catch him flat-footed, but yeah, it never worked. So I guess not. He never got it. He never got it. He should have just enough. the first time. I can see why, but then signs comes back with DRS. The second time. Maybe we'll put a little more battery into it or something. But the third time, come on, man. Yeah. And then as you said, the other, I mean, there's two. So yes, that's a big story. I have another bigger story. I'm going to leave for a second. Here's my like side note because it set up what we ended up getting the rest of the weekend. Mercedes had a very good start to that race, to to the sprint. But really quickly, it was clear they had no pace. And it was interesting because they had had a little, I mean, they had a decent qualifying and they had a decent shootout, but that was really when it, when it started to fall apart. So, um, but let's stay in the shootout for a second because the the big incident at the end of the shootout is the contact and the crash between Alonzo and, and Ocon where we're like, it looked like Ocon lost the car for just a split second. And the gap that he had, the sort of safe space he had there just disappeared. And then immediately he's blaming Alonzo. And I'm sorry, there is not a single replay that makes it look like Alonzo's in the wrong there. As far as I'm concerned, he never turns into him. He stays on his line. Maybe he doesn't check the mirror, but what is he supposed to do? He's like, he's given ample room. It's not his obligation to just like smack the brakes and get out of the way. His job is to stay to the right, which he did. Well, and Ocon's on the inside line. If he's on a flying lap, then he can take the inside line. Like that's what every other driver, they showed replays of other passes at that same corner. And Alonzo isn't out of position, but there's, there's a split second of snap on that steering wheel where Ocon is recorrecting because I think he either caught a little bit of the curb or he caught a little bit of something. And of course, like, you know, the speed he's at in the margins, we're talking like tenths of a second, hundredths of a second between the moment that happens and he's and the contact's made. But like just a just a huge impact. Both cars are done. And yeah. that's the other piece of the sprint weekend. They're in Park Fermi, but they rebuilt both those cars because they had to rebuild both those cars to get yeah. into the sprint, let alone the actual race. Like what? A, and the best shot was the 
the shot of all of their mechanics and you all know they're just looking at themselves being like fuck there goes the night like there that night. that's our night now all not even like the night the workload they had yeah. three hours to do it. The amount day. of work they knew they all of a sudden had. It's like when it's like you know when you're working on something, a document or whatever, a project. I don't know what it is, and all of a sudden like the computer crashes or something, and you're just looking at the clock, being like, "Yeah, I don't have time to finish this now. I can't yeah. start over." And those mechanics yeah, it, are just all like, "Ugh, come on." Really? And it's just funny that it was a con and Alonso too, because yep, like obviously they're famous all the story last year. Yeah. Um, but I love that too. We've seen that a few times now, where like a driver has an incident and immediately they're blaming the other person and then you know they're going to watch that replay later and be like yeah that was my fault yeah i get the heat of the moment um but there is something to be said about just like screaming into your radio without pressing the radio button yeah you know what i mean like you can you could like they have to push the button to be able to transmit oh we're going to talk about that later so just like just scream by yourself just get out and yell at the person yeah and then like because you do you look like an idiot but there was no penalty on either car for that. There was no, because again, it's like, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those weird ones. Maybe that was the, the margin was so fine that the stewards felt both of them were kind of in the wrong. I just don't see how Alonzo's in the wrong there. He doesn't turn. He doesn't. Break. I'll give you one reason he's in the wrong. He needs to understand that Ocon is not a, not the best driver on the track. That's what he needs to understand. So, but they can't if he takes that, that into account. Then this Dude, doesn't happen. Half the drivers on that track are, are are hazards to themselves and to everyone around them and you just be constantly dodging out of the way if every time that any one of the two drivers in the Haas come by you there there's danger there you got Sarge we'll talk out about there. very quickly you got stroll out there you got yuki out there you got now we're talking about Ocon. you know like <laughs> it's uh it's it's not pretty um all right well Let's get to the sprint itself, I guess, then. Where do you want to... What What for you stood out of the what, again, was, was kind of like... You know. This is the best track to have the sprint. Sure. Like, this track is set up for the sprint. It was exciting. Um, and again, I think Crafty said it best. And he was like, now, isn't this better than a, a third practice session? Isn't this more exciting than just having a third practice session? Yes, correct. But at the same time, it is not... It just devalues the actual race. The, yeah. the actual practice is meant for something meant to tune your cars to adjust your cars um you know find your balance and your braking it's just but this is this is to race you know what i think is the biggest irony of it do you remember the first year they did the sprint to how hard they worked to make sure that it was clear in all the language surrounding the sprint in the broadcast they kept having to catch themselves and remind themselves it's not a race this is not a race this is sprint qualifying this is not a race we don't want anyone to think this is a race because they were worried it was going to like devalue the grand prix now it's this silly little race and it's like, and it has devalued the Grand Prix, but, but in a different way, in the wrong way, like in the yeah. other way. And it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You guys just like, yeah. It'll be interesting. Is. It'll be interesting to see what they say. I want, I betcha within a week after the final race of the year, they talk about the sprint. They say, we're going to do some change yeah. the sprint. Like, I mean, I don't that, know who it'll be for. that quick. There's no driver out there right now who's going to tell me that they like what's going on. There's no team out there that's going to say they like what's going on here. I mean, the the only way that's the case is if like some team beats their current rival mid-table for a couple million bucks because they got the one extra point in one of these sprints. That's the only way they can make that argument. You know what I mean? Like, there's no. And they'd other... have to, but they'd have to make that argument now because there's no more sprint races left. They'd have to make it now. Sure, I just mean if they finish the season and they're up by like two points because yeah. of the two. That's all. But but even well, then, the team you can't could... tell me the whole thing is worth it. The team that could say that would be AlphaTauri. 
All right. Because they used the they got points, they got points in the sprint shootouts. Suki yeah. uh Suki Sunada, Sunada, Sunoda, Sunada was Yuki in Sunoda, six. yeah. You got he the got, first name, you just mix the two of them together. I know. That's I don't know if it's Sunoda or if it's Sunada or if it's Sunado or Sunoda. I just say Well, you Sunoda. call his teammate Ricciardo. So who like, Well Ricciardo is his name, who, so I won't correct here, that. Who here <laughs> is really worried about the correct pronunciation of names? We're just making them up now. They got points in the sprint. Yes, and they did. They need them because they're they're they are now very quickly fighting for a seventh spot with uh, um bah, 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 bah. somebody else. Williams, can, can we talk Williams. about can we talk about Sunday? Can we go to what really matters? Yeah, I got nothing else to say about the sprints. Sprints are sprints. I hate them. I don't want to do it anymore. Great. So we won't be asking the question at the end of the year. Hey, which tracks would you like to see the sprint no. on? No, I know which ones. I don't. All of them. All right. Um. Let's talk so before about this the race. before Sunday even gets started. Let's yeah. talk about the formation lap. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the formation lap. <laughs> our our boy, <laughs> Charles Leclerc, puts it in the wall. Charles. Now he claims it's a hydraulic thing. He also claimed later that it was a problem that he was aware of, that Ferrari was aware of. He also made it very clear it was not the same problem that Signs has had recently, which is interesting, but wanted to make it very clear this was something they knew about. But like, again, this is a driver who has had some just like abysmal luck over the years with the dumbest things happening to him. And this yeah. is just another one of those things you put in the Charles Leclerc column where it's like, yep, if it had to happen to somebody, it was going to be you. Yeah, you, you could win money easily if you just had to put $2 on which driver is going to have the weirdest way to exit this race. Yeah. It's going to be Charles Leclerc. Yeah. And it was it does suck because, I mean... Can you believe that they didn't, that they started the race though? Can you believe that they didn't scrub the start of this race and they just, they, they were able to still get it off considering he had literally had to abandon the car in a runoff road. Like of all the different times we've seen flags and safety cars yeah. and things through this whole year, that guy takes out some of the barrier. There's clearly like debris on the track and they're like, nah, we're still going to start it. This will be fine. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it was because was he did surprised. get... He did get out. I was surprised. I thought it would be a 10 minute, 15 minute delay. Yeah. Um, or Restart at least just do two more, two more formation you, laps. Well, while, I mean, that's the well. thing. You're not even in the race yet. It's not like you're hurting yourself or lap yeah. times or anything. Anyway. So yes, he doesn't start. He gets out of his car and then it just always also bugs me when at the standing start after something like this, that everybody can't just move up to the, yeah, you gotta leave that open spot, which yeah. means there's this huge gap between yes. first and third. And that's where all the drama starts. First off, though, not now, not where the drama ends because that happened further back. But great start, very exciting start. We get bad starts off the line uh, from both Aston Martins, and all of a sudden you've got these like a four wide situation where where Norris is going to the outside on the left hand side. Hamilton goes to the outside on the right-hand side. They almost make contact, but Norris all of a sudden is leapfrogging and jumping yeah. right up into second place. Had a had a look there at Max, like almost had an angle. Had the and again, this is one of those weird tracks where like the the lead into that first corner, there's so much opportunity for the guy in the second spot, or in this case, the fourth spot. When you move down the, it's the more grid. of advantage to start two than it is one at this track. Hundred percent. So because of that corner, because of that, to your point, because of that corner. But of course, none of that really matters because right behind them, carnage ensues. We have three into one, which does not go. And 
Albon is the biggest victim of it, let's say. He gets tagged from behind by one hoss, goes into the side of the other hoss, is immediately spun sideways and into the wall, losing a, a, a the tire right off of his car, which then careens down the road, gets caught up in... Uh, I'm, who, who, who's the first car? I can't even think about who the first car that makes contact with, then gets spit up in the air and hits the back of Ricardo's car, takes out his wing, takes out Piastri's wing. And it's funny because I was going to... Uh, Wait, the like, Rick, Ricciardo's wasn't from a hit, it was from the tire. That's what I'm saying. The tire yeah, yeah. careens backwards and makes multiple contact. Piastri Boom. gets backed Boom. into Boom. his things there. We've got two wings already, two rear wings that are already out. Piastri's and Ricardo. Ricardo is, yeah, as you say, from the and if you watch his onboard, he does his best to like faint left. Yeah. But that, I mean, that thing was coming nothing out. you could do at that point. The, the best, the best meme of the weekend, though, is the fact that if you calculate how far the tire travels, it actually traveled further than Leclerc did in the race. I mean, it could have just the tire, just the tire because, alone, because Leclerc didn't do anything. Yes. Oh, you, you figured it out. Well done. But it's true. <laughs> come on. Come on. Leclerc got, beat. Leclerc got beat by a tire. Now, here's the here's where this whole thing goes. Like it just it's, it's just it's this is how Formula One works. We know it's going to be a red flag. Everyone and their yeah. mother knows it's going to be a red flag. But they start with a safety car and they announce they're going to take the safety car through the pits, which means that the two damaged cars, the really seriously damaged cars, have Ricky to go in Piastri. to get fixed. And they're like, well, if it's going to stay under a safety car, let's get these cars fixed and see what we can do. Now, Piastri's team originally says, yeah, we're not going to get you back out there. So, you know, you can get out. But then once they realize it's going to be red flagged, yeah. we're in a great position to do that. But they've already gone and got gone to get help. And then the weirdest moment, from for me at least, why is Leclerc think he can get back in that car? Because there was a moment yeah. there where he started uh, yeah, running back, so like, Ooh, if I get it back to the pits, yeah, if you had yeah. dragged your car back to the pits in the first place, which you could have done, yeah, he gave up pretty, got back in. pretty easily on that race. Because so, we had this last year where Russell got out to make sure that Zhao right. was okay, yeah. and as soon as he got out, he forfeited the race. That was the end That's of the right. race. That's right. Um, anyway, so it was very odd to see Leclerc do that, but Leclerc also hasn't scored points in two of the last three races. He's not he's, doing he's well. Not good. October, November. He's not. He's much. good. Don't say that. He is good. He's not oh, what we thought he would be. He's better than half the guys. That's on the, the old line from the Bears coach. They are who we thought they were. Charles Leclerc is exactly what I always expected him to be. Big talk. I had big expectations. Always underachieves every single season. Give me a year he hasn't, and then until he does, I'm going to stand by that. He is an um, underachiever Ferrari driver. Period. He is. That is, he, that is I, what his reputation is. He's under When he got the seat, I thought he earned it. I don't think that he still deserves it. Correct. That is what I think. No, Lance Stroll should be driving for that team. All right. Um, don't be. That's your, now you're just discrediting the entire program. I'm sorry. Lance Stroll had his best weekend in a yeah, long time. <laughs> Can we talk about yeah. Aston Martin for a second? I Let's mean, not I think, jump I think all we the way to the to. end, but let's start with Aston Martin. Because they had a great weekend. And then on the restart, they were, they again, they find themselves in this terrible terrible ability to not get off the line tire spin wheel spin they can't get yeah. out of gear and again like this this the next restart they're being overtaken again on left and right and yet they have the car to just sort of stick with it and they had a great weekend they now i correct me if i'm wrong um but somewhere in the mid middle of the race they interviewed somebody who said that aston martin made the choice to have their car better performing throughout the entire race than it did for the starts of races. 
yeah well but they, you can they, do yeah, 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 they recognized that they they had a they had had a problem earlier in the year because they were just not able their cars were just not able to to perform throughout the they were just losing so much. Yeah, so um, they said screw yeah, the they screw said, the start yeah, race, yeah, yeah. screw the, we'll, the first. We'll stick uh, with it. Yeah, the lights going out, and we'll just go with the the long term yeah. um, car better. But I mean, it was it worked out for them, and they they also had a good weekend. They did. They had a very good weekend. Which, I think they, again, I mean, it, oh, they had the best weekend in a long time. I mean, we're talking about a, a guy on the podium, but we'll get to that at, in a second. Cause there's a it, lot. There's it has to be to concerning when, when you update your car at, I think it was Austin, the yeah. USGP, they updated the floor of their car and it didn't work. Like now you're going backwards. You're going backwards. That's not a good sign. That's a, that's a, like something that's not talked about a lot during the race weekend, but over the next five days, they have to be going like, but like back deep into the planning being like, what happened? How did you guys screw and this yet, up? So and yet also a sprint weekend where it's very hard to get data. So it's very hard yeah. for them to really be able to know what it was. And yet they still figured out pretty quickly that something wasn't right. And they went, they scrapped it and went backwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. So back got, to the start of this race before yeah, yeah, so there's, still, yeah. there's one thing I do want to take note of that I thought was hilarious. Um, I think it was Brundle that said Piastri's rear wing was a wobbling like your favorite jelly. That was a good line. I was like, that was a very like good what? Line. Well, what made him say that? That he doesn't say like it was so far out of nowhere. It was there's yeah, there's an accident. Uh, so I'm gonna have to bring these cars in. That was like the favorite jelly. Whoa, what? What? Where did yeah. that come from? It was that so was very good. I I actually laughed out loud. Yeah, it was good. That's a good line. But you gotta also think so without that. that, that yeah. Um, <laughs> when you do a safety car, when you have a safety car. The last lap before it goes in, all the cars are able to unlap themselves. Yes. It's weird to not allow that to happen on the formation lap of a well, red flag. Yeah. The only two cars, though, that weren't able to unlap themselves were Piastri and um, and Ricciardo because yeah. they had gone up on the jacks. So once they'd gone up on the jacks, they weren't allowed to take the formation lap. Because they weren't allowed to start on the grid, so they no, never no, had... no, 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 no. They went in during. You said this earlier. They went in when there was a safety car for the first lap before the red flag. They were in the pits doing. That's work right. So they the hadn't jets. completed the lap that they did under the safety car. Right, but so I'm they were down a lap once... already. Yeah, no, I get that. What I'm saying is, once they called for a red, red flag. Yep. During the formation, the formation lap after the red flag, yep. when they go back to the standing start, all cars should be able to turn on. Yeah. And then those two should be able to go first and come no, around they, and do it. They did. They did. They they, yeah, they did. They did one formation lap and then they returned to the pit. But that lap, but all that lap did. You're Tyler, missing what I'm saying. You're no, missing I'm not. what I'm saying. No, I'm not. No, wait, 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 wait. Just hang on. So the formation lap after the red flag counts as a lap of racing. I know. Because it's a safety car lap. So they took that lap. But that was the lap they didn't do before. So they're on, they had just completed one lap. I Everyone understand else had completed all that. Three. You're you're not you're not hearing me. Before Verstappen leads the formation lap, they should be able to go out first. So they do two formation laps. Yeah, basically they get to do a second formation lap. No, well, it's bullshit not. having them out there. What do you mean? You just throw that away. So, that's stupid. Why no, even no, race? It then? is dumb. It is dumb, and here's why: because you can't have certain. You, well, I I just don't think that that's how you would do that. They're not unlapping themselves. They took they they went into the pits early. That's just the pun. That's just the penalty for doing so, that. So don't race that. Then you're right. Maybe they shouldn't have. Maybe they like, should. What are we have. talking about? What did they? What's use the point of being for? out there? I'll tell you what the point is. 
Lando in case Norris, there was another safety no, car? No, Lando Norris benefited from his teammate being out there because they were able to offset their tires and understand the longevity of what the medium was going to do while they were on the soft tire. I'm telling you, it made a difference because it allowed them to undercut both Sergio Perez and in, in turn the Aston Martins, and they were able to make sure that Norris's strategy worked. That's that's just good team racing. The pace they used him as a guinea pig. Sure, boring for all the fans. The pace that Ricciardo and Piastri had could have had them go from 15th and 14th at that point. No, 17th and 16th at that point. They would have been probably in the points. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And that's fair. I understand your argument. I just don't think we need, like, I, I get it. But I think that what they did was still the right way to do it, considering how it had played out. And I also don't agree with that you should just pull them out. I do think that there's value and entertainment from still having them out there. Because you can't tell me that if you had a Piastri fan or you had a Ricciardo fan in the crowd, that it'd be better for them if they were just sitting in the pits because they were like, eh, we don't have anything to race for. They had other things to race for. There's a lot of data to be collected. We know these teams are still developing these cars. They basically turned them into into test cars at that point. They tried things with them and they still worked their way back into it. I think at one point, Ricardo was basically on the correct lap or whatever, but it wasn't, I mean, yes, you're right. It's a weird thing. Maybe they need to look at it as, as far as letting them do two laps. It's a very weird scenario though. It doesn't happen obviously very often, but it's a, I don't think that they should have been given two formation laps. No, I disagree with that. Plus how would you have done that? All the rest of the cars are literally in the pit lane because they are staying in. You use your steering wheel. You turn right or left. You get past the other cars and you come back around. Oh, that's what the cars are designed to do. Move left and right. Pit lane is narrow. Oh, you don't want, it's, it's not pit safe. lane is narrow. What happens if one of them comes, makes a mistake like Le- Leclerc does and takes out one of the other competitive cars? Five second penalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right. All right, let's move forward. Can, can, can I jump ahead all the way to where it got fun again? Uh, yeah. Most me, of this race was pretty pedestrian once we got restarted again, to be fair. Like there's a few little, the rest, you want to talk about there, the restart but... though, before you go to the next. Sure. Part? Sure. Fine. Go ahead. Give me Cause it was like, restart. this was an opportunity for Hamilton to, to hold on to that second place. Yeah. Um, but he had a car that wasn't going to compete. So he still locked it up in the first turn though. Yeah. He had a bad restart. Yeah. Very bad restart. Made Alonzo passed him uh lap four after that. And then I think we, then you will get you into your exciting stuff. Well, Alonzo is the story for me. Like Alonzo put on a masterclass all weekend. He drove really, really well. As you say, as we've talked about, they regressed the car to a more competitive place. And obviously this track suited it incredibly well, which isn't surprising considering where Aston Martin did really well earliest in the year was on the slow speed corner circuits that we saw Qatar, um, even uh, even Australia, they were still competitive before the, the, before their pace just disappeared on them. But Alonzo has, you know, he's putting in this very clinical classic Alonzo race. He's slowly getting positioned back. They had a good pit pit change. And then Sergio Perez is surging. We Sergio Perez, we haven't even talked about yet, but he actually had a really good weekend considering all yeah. of the drama that's been swirling around him and continues to swirl around him uh, and the struggle and the just horrible Mexican Grand Prix he had, obviously, that ended yeah. on the first corner. Whereas this weekend, you know, he just kind of kept his head down and drove well. And it sets us up for this fantastic finish where Alonzo, who is masterfully 
maintained his tires on the last stint, has found a way to close the gap where he's using DRS, like you suggested, into the right places to make sure that he's in the best spot. But to win, he has to eventually overtake him and, and expose himself to that last spurt of DRS. So he does that, overtakes him on the last lap coming around that final corner, which if you recall is also the corner. We had a great drag race a few years back between mm. Max and Lewis on a restart where Max sort of brake checked Lewis and took out his front wing. If you recall, uh, yep. but here we had Perez with the last second DRS and literally a photo finish. And it was fantastic. Okay. I have a problem with what you just said. The photo finish part. Yes. Did you see a photo of that finish? Yeah, the photo's not the right. Did, Go look at the video. Did What do you mean? The video doesn't have a photo finish. It has the 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 only thing that I saw was from like straight down the straightaway, like right down yeah. the straightaway. There's yeah. nothing from where is the oh, camera on the finish line? There was one angle. The no, there was one replay. The there was one replay. Now, it was when? not was the it photo three hours angle. after? No. Three hours after when no, they no, usually it announced it was from like disqualified? Up. From like up in the you know, up in like the the stands. You're right. It wasn't the traditional where the photo finish angle should be. There's no camera there. Now this is not a sport that traditionally has photo finishes, so I can understand why they wouldn't have installed a camera there, permanently like a broadcast camera there. But there was the I photograph. Like Six hundred frame. Six hundred frame per they second did. camera. You saw the still. Did you not see the still? It's on. Still. I want it on the track at the finish line. That's where the photo was. Where? I'm gonna send it. I'll send it to you after. We'll put it on our social. I've, there I've is see, a photo. I, I see an official photo image that looks like it was AI created. Is what I see. <laughs> right. That's what I see. With the there's no way the that line this markers. Is, no, yeah. There's no way that this is. Yeah. There's no way that this is. No. They need. I want to see the cars right. in slow motion going through. Why is that not there? Because it's again, the same I in every sport. There's that, like. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think that they've ever like. When do you get you get one of these a year? Maybe. It's a waste of a camera. Well, it's not going to do anything else for you. What are you going to get? Like Jordan, sh- they've got 55 cameras in the car. They can put one on the fucking. That's where all the budget's line. gone. What are you talking about? All the cameras take on off, the cars. Take off the front left camera or you the can't. back right people camera. Are t- people are hitting There's the red There's three cameras on the driver's heads. There's three drivers on their helmets. There's one There's in the two. visor. There's one outside the visor. And then there's like a cool Is little there a camera one. on the outside. I don't think so. There's yeah. only the inside. No, there's there's 45 cameras there's in the car. Nose, there's a nose camera. Put one a at the start camera. finish line. Why is there not one at the there's start finish line? There's cameras embedded in the track in places. That's how we've seen photos of the underneath of the car. I agree. Wow. It was an awkward thing to have happen, but it was a great finish. It would have been so cool to see that. That's all I wanted to see at the end. I was like, wow, what a finish with that last lap. Well, as you say, just with, ask AI to make it for you. That's how this I works. I did. I'm That's looking like at it right world. now. It's some bullshit that they posted as the official photo finish yeah. image. There's no way that that is it. All the road is different color and blinding, but yet the cars are perfectly readable. Like even the small decals, get the hell out of here. There's no way well, that is AI created. Your sponsorship obligations. Of course, the decals That's are unbelievable. Unbelievable that there's not a camera there. Freaking right. FIA. Freaking FIA. <laughs> All right, so we end up with a Max Verstappen win. It's the seventeenth of the year. We're not That's all I have to say about that. Um, I have a problem with Norris Mercedes and Alonso strategy. on the grid. Yeah, okay. Because they, they, they knew build, they didn't build, have the car. Build a better car. That's their strategy. But they knew they didn't have the car to compete, so they could have employed the DRS train. And yeah, Hamilton did have speeds out of it. That. No, they and did Russell even said like we're working together on this, right? But like, you know what I think? Together. Okay, so 
you want to go into there, I, I'm happy to have that conversation. You know what's going on there is you have two guys who are very different tire conditions. And if you watch the beginning of that race again, the way that Lewis first attacks Lando kills his tires. So he is in coast and manage way faster than Russell is. And so by the time that they get into that situation, Russell's now in the dirty air. There's a huge gap in front of, in front of Lewis. So Lewis is trying to stretch his tires. Whereas George is like, we got to deal with this now. And Lewis is just pulls away. That's just how it is. He's just not in. I, I think that the communication is the issue at Mercedes there. They should have been the two sides of the garage needed to be talking. That's fair. But I think at that point, they weren't thinking two, two, two parts of it. They weren't going to invert the cars. They're like, sorry, George, you're just a sacrificial lamb from where but we George are. But George was okay with that. Eventually he seemed was, to want yeah. to be in front. He just wanted to work together. He didn't care yeah. if he was one or two. He even said to Lou, no, but I mean, they, he was a sacrificial I'm not going to pass. And that's why they did the strategize that way. They were just like, we can't give, if we put Lewis back here, we will have both of you overtaken instantly. I think, but no one asked concerned. for Lewis to be behind. Russell said, I'm not going to attack Lewis. We have no, to no, work no. Together. I'm saying if they had kept Lewis there, I think Lewis would have exposed himself to being not able to maintain what his tires needed. He needed to but he get blew ahead of him. Yeah, I, he did. And then he I kept don't know, it man. ahead of him. So I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. It was miscommunication at first, I think, on the Lewis side. And then once they were, I, you're right. And it's ironic because it was signs attacking and signs is the one who worked that strategy to master math, like a master class earlier in the year. Keep it was Norris just weird. I don't, I don't. And even Russell's like, why are not we working together? Like we don't have a car. And it instantly and I, made him grumpy. Maybe that's he got real grumpy after yeah, that. But George is usually grumpy. I mean, to be fair, they were all you grumpy. Did you see that? Now. Every oh. week you got it. last week it was Norris. He, he was a grumpy guy. You know, like Norris is Norris. a very grumpy guy. Oh, there we go. So you admit it. Who's not every a grumpy guy person? You know who was happy this weekend? Wasn't too grumpy. Perez. Um, yeah, Sergio Perez was definitely not grumpy. Um, no, I was going to say he Bottas. stayed aggressive. Bottas is never grumpy. He probably was grumpy once. Both those Ferrari engines. The only Ferrari engine I think left that made this track like that lasted the entire race was uh science. Yeah. Was he the only Ferrari left? Yeah. I think because so. Haas is a Ferrari engine as well, right? Yeah. So both Haas Ferrari engines out first, yeah. like not even before the, not even up into the first turn. Um, and then Alfa Romeo's both of them out. So science, yeah, science was right the only, then. Um, not great it, for Ferrari, like no. the engine maker. Yeah. Interesting also too to to see how like you know upset and clearly ready to be done with this year Toto Wolf and the Mercedes drivers were. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you saw those post race interviews where they basically were like, yeah, no, we're ready to throw this car away and never ever see it again. I guarantee you next year you're gonna see a black Mercedes that looks a hell of a lot like an Adrian Yui Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that's that's gonna be what you're gonna see as a as a is a very similar design concept wise. They fired their technical director last week. They've moved on from this mess and they're ready to just and then this will be the first year in the modern Mercedes team since taking over at Benetton that they have not won a race. And I don't he, think they're gonna win a race. I mean, again, there's two races yeah. for them to have something weird happen. That's yeah. fair. It isn't yeah. gonna happen. Uh, yeah, no, Hamilton said after that he looks forward to never having to drive the W14 again. Mm -hmm. They couldn't keep up with Gasly, yeah, and the Alpines, like, yeah, no, they were in rough shape, yeah. Real also, shape. that was uh, uh, Gasly's second top seven finish in the last three races. Just there you so go, we're aware. 
There you just, go. Just so we're quietly getting into points, top seven. Period. All right, final final thoughts on this before we hand out some hardware. Yeah, I do have some final thoughts on this. Uh, unfortunate Sunday for AlphaTauri. Again, because of the Ricciardo thing and the bullshit that he wasn't allowed to be on the lead lap, even though blah, 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 blah. Um, they could have had double points. Tsunoda was great this weekend. Uh, I, that's Oh, Hamilton speaking in codes again. I got that written down here. When he said we should have went to the hard tire, man. Nobody used the hard tire all weekend. There's no way that that radio call was actually about a hard tire. There was 21 laps left when he put the soft on. That would have eased that easily got him to the finish line. There's no reason for him to come on and say we should have went to the hards. I want to know when he retires. I want a tell-all about what he actually means when he says what he says. Like it's like Peyton Manning in Omaha. Yeah. Something there's something else. There's like the intonation that he says or the amount of numbers. Could be putting in his order, his like catering order for the end of the race, to be honest. Could be anything at that point. They were they were so out of that out of this race. He was probably checking in on what time his flight was. Yeah, maybe. But Sunoda now has got that Williams, like I said earlier. They're uh I think five seven points behind the fight for seventh with the constructors with Williams. So they'll have that'll be a good two uh two weekend race. Also, interestingly, there's one uh other sort of like side note to the Alonzo catching Perez at the end here. If I was Lewis Hamilton, I'd be sending him a nice beverage because that fight between Perez and Lewis for second place is still very much alive. And those little yeah. extra points there that were shaved off by uh Alonzo getting his himself in, in the middle there was to to Lewis's advantage considering how bad a weekend he had. Whereas last weekend he put points up with no challenge because yeah you know, Perez was out before the race had started. But wow. Perez needs two, two strong more weekends. I don't know if he'd be able to put three weekends together like that. We haven't really seen him be able to do it. We will see. All right. Let's, can we hand out some awards or do you have more notes? No, I, I no, I got, I'm getting fired up about something else later today, but I, right now I got no more notes about Sunday. Who's our driver of the day? Driver of the day. Uh, I know you're probably going to go with your guy, Alonzo. I'm going to go Norris. Norris won the uh, vote. I'll go with yes. Norris too. I think Norris had a great race. I think Norris had a good weekend. Yeah, he's got seven. He's got seven podiums in the last like eight. He races did a fantastic time. job on all three starts: the sprint start, the real start, and the restart. I think yeah. he those were where he really put his. Um, that's where his races were. You know, the the, the results he got were sort of won for him. His I would fifth argue. podium in the last six Grand Prix. Yeah, he's had a fantastic second you know, half of the year since the summer yeah. break, he's really come on and they've done a good job with Mercedes with McLaren to get that car in a great position for them. The question is now, can they carry that over the summer? Mm-hmm. You know, cause we saw Mercedes get hot at the end of last year and then regress again. So it'll be interesting to see where the off season uh, development takes McLaren. Cause it would, you know, it, as, I, as I've said many times, it would be nice for a few teams to continue to be fighting at the top right now. We've kind of got a, two and sometimes three and occasionally four cars in the mix to get close to Red Bull. Now they're not really competing with Red Bull. On the one Sunday, of the Red Bulls. Yeah. But they're getting close. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, the gap is closing, which is nice. Um, okay. Let's go with Norris. That's good. Who's our not so driver of the day. Lewis I mean, he Hamilton. didn't even race. No, you Whoa. gotta be kidding me. It's gotta Lewis be Hamilton. Charles Leclerc. It's gotta be Lewis Charles Hamilton. Leclerc. Why? He didn't even race. How can he be not so driver of the day if he didn't drive? Oh, I don't know, but I think he had a pretty rough day. Yeah, running back failure. to the car to try it's to crawl back fault. in is a is a is a embarrassing. Is a... It's not not so driver of the day. Lewis Hamilton, not so driver of the day. All right, 
He drove. Give me the why, whole race. Though. Give me why. I think he should have been better than with that eight. car. With that car, uh, yeah, he had no it's pace still in the slow corners. Still no pace. So an Alpine can pass him. He beat his teammate. His teammate didn't finish the race. Still beat him. <laughs> Lewis That's Hamilton, that's the driver of the day. Um, we give it to Perez all the time for shit like this when he should be getting more points. Hamilton should be getting more points. We gave it to Perez last week. He didn't get through the first turn. You won't you, give it to I, Charles I Leclerc. Fought you on get, that too. He I fought you on that the too. Found the, the formation lap. The formation. Awesome. Lap. Also, I'm sorry. Do we really think it was just hydraulic fluid or did, did he like sneeze? Like it looked to me like he lost the car. I, I did look like he lost the car. But... And then again, a little bit like Ocon. Oh, no, there must be a problem. I lost power steering. Yeah, no, you lost concentration. It's tough to lose. I, I find it hard to believe you lose concentration on a on a, on a lap. That isn't even racing. Lap. You're just yeah. going around. It's a trundle around. He just lost lost the car. It did look anyway. bad. It did look bad. But hey, you can't have not so driver of the day if you weren't driving on the day. All right. Um, uh, what is our radio call of the race? I don't know. This is another one where nothing really stuck out to me. I, again, I, I'd go with the Hamilton one where I'm like, just because I'm so curious about what he was going to say. But Or I'd go with Leclerc. Like, why am I so unlucky? Why the fuck am I so unlucky? That's a pretty good one. I will also go with, I'll go with the Leclerc one too, because I thought it was just interesting. But the one I, I mean, I wanted to go back earlier in the weekend because I would go with the Ocon, you know, I, oh, he turned into me. Yeah, did I think he? we should do that. I think I think did we he? should do the weekend call of the race. All right. We've uh, done it let, before. We have, of course. Yes, we've done. I mean, it's our show. We can do what we want. Do whatever we want. What's the last Overtake one? the race is pretty easy. Yeah, come on. How I know I, I wanted to see that, that in your face. <laughs> no, you're like you're not going to give play, it to me. For I this. was this playing with you on that one. It's way too obvious. And I had move. I actually thought it was going to be Perez on Alonso on lap seventy. Yeah, and then obviously Alonso nope, comes back. Alonso over Perez lap seventy one. Fantastic. All right, uh, that was our uh, review and look back at the um, Brazilian Grand Prix, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Hey, football fans, the Ordinary Podcasting Network is very excited to welcome back for its second season, Running Down the Clock, presented by Puya Ricey and Tyler Walzak. These two football fans will sit down with you every Thursday of the NFL schedule to talk football. You can subscribe to Running Down the Clock anywhere you get your podcast. It's time for mail. Okay, so uh, Tyler, let's do... Uh some questions or a question a question we do one question that's how the segment works right one question. usually one yeah usually we do one question all right unless it's not good and then we do others okay this is a question we've sat on for a really long time just because we were waiting for the right weekend to do it sometimes the other ones have been topical um so this one's good this uh is a question from colin longtime listener multiple questions asked this season so thank you colin for your um, contributions. I think this was his first ever question. Yeah, we just didn't answer it. Yeah. <laughs> we just held on to it. Colin's question goes as follows I know that the steering wheels in Formula One cars are complicated and have lots of buttons, but on average, how many inputs per lap or per race do drivers actually have to make? So that, that's the question, but I think we should talk a little bit about the steering wheel in general if you're up for it, Tyler. Yeah, I because the race is really interesting. The, the races themselves. 
the lap that they have, whether it be 70 laps or 56 laps or what have you, um, the steering wheel inputs per lap change based off of the amount of corners, the amount of time they have to get into those corners, and whether or not they actually do need to change something in that corner. Um, and yeah, like I'm sure you've got lots to say about this as well. Uh, um, there's like thousands of combinations and functions in these steering wheels. Um, there's like from your, there's literally a mode button where you either you choose to push. So anytime you hear them saying the time's your time to push, little button goes, boom, 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 we're pushing. Or yeah, store so, power or like right. regular race. Like these are regular laps that we're just going to run or slow laps or charge laps or there's a formation lap mode, um, warm up mode. Like that, just the mode button itself has like 12 different modes. Yeah. So again, uh, just to simplify to start, there are on average, because again, every car has slightly different steering wheels and different, Mm -hmm. you know, buttons and all of the different things. There's buttons and gauges. So like little uh, turn knobs that, as you say, sort of set the car in different, different situations. On average, there's uh, about 25 buttons on each steering wheel. So that sort of seems to be about some teams, maybe it's 20, some teams, maybe it's 30. I don't know, but that seems to be about the average. And so of course, when you take that into consideration, a whole bunch of those different buttons actually are all for the same, let's say function of the car. For example, on the Mercedes car from last year, there were five different buttons or switches that all changed different parts of the brake setting. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there isn't just like one knob. It was like, there's a button for certain parts of brake balance. There's a knob for certain brake settings. There's a, you know, different elements of all those different things that again, as you say, the, the driver is making inputs throughout a lap, depending on corners, depending on where they are in terms of fuel management, where they are in terms of tire management, all those different elements. And then there are more, you know, um, like 10 lap, 20 lap at a time changes that might get made where they'll put it in a specific setting, again, race dependent, whether they're following, whether they're in the lead, whether all of those different pieces. And that sometimes it's, 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 it's coming from the technical team that's radioing. And you've heard that probably often on the radio call where they'll be like, all right, take it to strat five or take it to, you know, setting two, because they're identifying the car needs a little bit more cooling at certain part of the brake or the tire, or, or, you know, the tires are, are struggling. It's a, specific part of the circuit. So they're going to change the the differential, anything like that. Um, so yeah, 25 buttons, let's say. And then of course, when you have that many buttons, just do the math on the calculation of how many different combinations we're talking thousands of different co- possible combinations, uh, for any one of these cars. There's it, it's actually gotten even like, it gets crazier. There's obviously like the steering wheel that you would have in any car where you go left and right now in these, I think the first iteration was end of last year, this year, you, the steering wheel moves out and in yep. to adjust the the um, the toe of the car, the change in the toe of the car, um, which is super cool to think about. That's at that point you're now in like a three dimensional axis where you're kind of basically a helicopter. How a helicopter would fly is the same type of way. Um, and going into each corner, you change your brake balance and your uh, your differential like with certain buttons. Um, I thought it was very cool that there's uh, a like a pit lane speed limiter. So as soon as you want a pit lane, hit that button. You find your 80 and it's basically cruise control. Um, I also thought it was very, very cool that there's the button where they talk to the, their pit, the drivers in the car. You don't just hold it down. I, for some reason, I always thought it was something you have to hold down to talk, but it's just boom, turn on, turn off, which I don't know why, but blew my mind when I read it. I was like, Oh yeah, that actually makes way more sense. 
Um, there's a button that tells you that you've confirmed that you're boxing. There's also buttons on, I think it was Mercedes or Ferrari. I think it's probably most of them, but there's buttons on the, the steering wheel that actually don't have a function. And then after you go through your free practices and you figured out that in this corner, I need the differential like minus three in the back left, but I need my brake pedal to be a little bit stronger to hit that that at the right exact moment. So they say, okay, we'll function that into this um, L2 button, we'll call it. Yeah. So that instead it, of them yeah. having to do two things in that corner, it's just kind of like a, um, a cheat button that they're able to use going into it, uh, which right. I thought was very, 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 very cool. The other ones that you should be aware of too, which are important to think about, the DRS, which is obviously the rear wing opening, that is not a automatic function that is no. manual. So there's yeah. a button for that. And they are only able to obviously open it when their car has been enabled remotely from what the what where they are with it. And what's if you recall a couple of years ago when you were having issues with it, there was a there was a race where Red Bull's rear wing was not opening. And you could hear the frustration from Max because he's literally just like slamming that button. And he was actually like canceling the command because it was working it just wasn't functioning correctly so he would hit it it should have opened it didn't when he hit it the yeah. second time it was actually still closing in his mind it was like well it has never opened once so every time i push this it should be an open so again you know the driver is very much in control of those things the other one is curs which is obviously we've talked about i think earlier on this too about like the the um uh, pardon me, ERS, which is the energy re reserve system or the energy recovery system where yeah. you're, where you're building up those. So we've all, you, you'll often hear during the race, they'll talk about like, you know, you're harvesting energy for either uh, to attempt an overtake, but more often a driver is harvesting that energy to, to be able to defend with. So there's a button where literally they get like a little ad additional electrical boost to the power unit to give them that little extra push. So if you are defending against someone at the RS, you want to have harvested that that's a button they've got to push. And then the biggest thing that I think goes overlooked on these steering wheels is the, the clutch paddles are on the steering wheels. So yes. every single, yeah, every single time you are changing gears uh, on these obviously manual cars for those driving at home, like, you know, the, the, the paddles and, and there are actually road cars with the paddles now on the steering wheels. So you may, yep. you, you know, you may be My driving Cadillac around. There you go. But do you, do you change your, do you shift about 50 times uh, per minute? Because that is about the average time per lap that the modern Formula One car is changing, uh, uh, is shifting 50 times per yeah. lap because every single time into those corners, every time out of the corner, into each corner, multiple different shifts down, multiple different shifts down, up. Um, so yeah, there's a, I mean, a, a significant amount of the driver's time on the track is using those paddles to just get the car where they need to put it. There's also a jump neutral button a big end button that just yep. jumps the gearbox into neutral. Um, what I was reading about was, I think Sainz says he uses it all the time, but Mercedes says they barely ever use it. Yeah. Um, thought that was also very, very cool. Um, what was the one? There was one other thing about this. Well, the line. other thing, oh, I marker button. Say, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Right, yeah. There's a marker button on some of these, depending, I think this was just um, Ferrari, where if the driver senses there's something wrong with the car at a certain part of the track, they, they hit it. that button yeah. at that time so that it'll, I don't want to say take a photo because that's so generic and probably not true, but it'll alert. They take yeah. that marker button. It's basically a screenshot of it's everything a, so that they- They're, they're dropping a pin in the data, right? Exactly. So that they can exactly. go back and identify it. Yeah, exactly. So they can figure out what the problem is and not have to just talk about it. 
It's very, the other, very cool. The other part of the steering wheel that we should talk about, and you can obviously Google this and see it. Every steering wheel physically is a different shape and different design. But the other part of it that's always different is, is the actual like heads up information. So every one of these has a screen on it that is displaying, you know, the basic information you would have on your standard car where you've got your odometer. And then obviously you've got your speed and you've got your, uh, your RPM and you've got all of the information about, you know, the, the critical information about your car's operation, maybe digital on newer cars might be old analog. Obviously in these cars, they're digital and you can watch sometimes on the replays or if you're following live on it, you can see what's coming up on there, but they're also getting race, control information on there. So they'll know when they're under yellow flag or they'll know when they're under a red flag or when they're under a safety car immediately because a message is automatically sent every single car and they get that alert. Um, so yeah. it's clear and information is there. And then right above that, there's the row of lights and that is their, um, that's the, actually the indicator of um, like the, 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 their revs basically. So they're able to identify where, how, 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 um, when, when to change and all those things, but it's, it's lights. It's not like a, a traditional gauge the way you would in again like a in, in like a streetcar so you've got these shift indicator leds i think that is what they call them and you can see them yeah. when you watch those replays they get up to the red and then they're shifting gears back down to the yellow so again it's all about helping those drivers get as much information as efficiently and as quickly as they can well like as we say trying to do like 40 different things at a time yeah and i was listening to botas talk about uh, a specific lap he went through a lap and kind of talked about that race and how he was working the, the steering wheel and the, the settings each corner he was adjusting the brake balance the engine braking differential in over or under steering depending on the corner that he was taking so that every lap he would monitor what it was so that he could try to find it so every corner he's basically changing something to make the car turn faster or better or or stronger or higher to lower or something like that um and it, the way he was talking about it, though, was it was just second nature. It was like, yeah, yeah it's, of course we do that. It's like very minor, easy stuff. And finally, I'll say it is also quite common for mistakes to be made here because there yeah, are so many different inputs. Videos. Yeah, there's a lot of those. <laughs> and obviously, the one of the more infamous ones was Lewis coming out of a restart last year or two years ago where he basically just goes straight off. I think it was at Azerbaijan after Max had gone out. This is in the this was in 2021. Yeah. And you watch it and he just locks up and goes straight off. And immediately he, he acknowledged I had made a mistake. I, he had put the wrong input into the car. It was still in a, in a formation lap setting or a safety car setting. And he had hit the wrong button, thought he had put it into the start um, sort of setting. So it was ready for a race restart. It wasn't. So the minute he hit the brake the first time, all of the differential was on the front and the car just completely locked up on him. He had no way yeah. of getting out of it. So again, mistakes are easy to make when you've got that many buttons obviously and every driver you know sets their car up in such a way as you say with different function buttons and all those things to try to avoid those mistakes but they still happen obviously yeah like, even just taking i saw a lot of videos of guys taking in a corner taking their hand whether it's the left or the right to adjust one of those settings and then overestimating the corner and just going off into the grass and doing shit no i was adjusting something i didn't even think about it so I hope we answered your question, Colin. I don't know if we answered it specifically enough to how many per lap, but that's obviously driver to driver, race to race, and, track and race to track. Race, yeah. But obviously a lot of different things going in on that steering wheel. I wanted to tell one more quick story here because I thought it was really funny. I, I was listening to a different podcast, which I'm not going to acknowledge, but they, it was an interview with Liam Lawson and acknowledging, you know, he'd had a difficult end to the year because he was, you know, not able to guarantee a seat for next year, but he had a fantastic couple of races where he was covering for Ricciardo. And, um, but he told this very funny story about his first race there for them when he jumped in. Cause obviously in, in Suzuka, you know, uh, 
um, Ricardo broke his hand. And so he jumped in at the last minute, hadn't yet driven the formula one car properly and certainly not in a race situation. And he said they were going around for the formation lap and he had yet to test the drink button or the drink function in one of these cars <laughs> in real conditions, which I think you've acknowledged before. Like the minute those cars get going, it is not cold water. It is hot no, water. Yeah. It is very unpleasant, but it, you know, there's a tube that comes up into their helmet or whatever. And he went to push the button and it misfired in a weird way. And he kind of reacted. And all of a sudden the pressure from the water going through the hose for the first time, like launched the little tube that's in the helmet, like up his nose. And so he started the race with the fucking tube up his nose <laughs> and he's going around in just, a, like, I'm not encouraging yeah, anyone to put anything up your nose, but if you've ever had like an odd object, just even like parsley up your nose or hey how many times you had a covid test that was just a little too far up very yeah. uncomfortable right and he acknowledged he was like there was a moment on like lap four where i was like i'm gonna have to stop driving because i'm so uncomfortable and it's gonna be the most embarrassing reason when i go back to the team and be like yeah the drink tube got stuck up my nose because there's no way to fix it but he said <laughs> no. luckily they had a like a, a there must have been a safety car maybe a virtual safety car and he was able to get like the visor open enough to like get the thing out of his nose but an important thing to have tested ahead of time he didn't yeah. recognize that all of a sudden he was gonna have the drink tube up his nose i thought that was hilarious i'm like welcome that's to, funny. welcome to formula one that's very funny all right, let, uh, Tyler, take us uh, take us to Vegas. Las Vegas, the Formula One Heineken Silver Las Vegas Grand Prix 2023. Um, they have had two Formula One races in Vegas, 1981, 1982. Not the same track, so not even worth mentioning. Um, this will be the very first Grand Prix in Las Vegas. Highly anticipated race. Um, apparently, unless you live in Las Vegas, where this is your absolute nightmare, because they are just nothing but construction and blocking off the views of the Bellagio, the fountain, um, which is the Bellagio fountain. Anything you'd want to see in Vegas, if you're not a fan of Formula One, very much avoid Las Vegas because it's all about this race. Um, now, I hate to say this, but have you seen the track? Like, have you seen, like, have you looked at it? Okay, it looks like Santa's sled. Like, literally looks like if you painted the inside of this track red, it's Santa Claus's sled that he uses to deliver presents to kids on uh, uh christmas even um 50 laps 17 turns three thanks straights. for clarifying that tyler i wasn't sure when santa yeah, claus did never, his work you'll never you'll never not see it by looking at it um three straights two drs zones they have promised us high speeds comparative to monza's temple of speed they've uh promised us plenty of overtaking the only promise i want is that this is not going to be like the first year of miami on the schedule where it was very boring and not great drivers didn't like it the fans didn't love it um, the standing start on this track starts in turn 17. So it's not everybody on the straight. It's very much the, I think the first two rows are at the end of the turn and then the rest go through it. They say uh, which that from I the think back of is, the grid, you can't see the front of the grid. Yes, exactly. I think halfway through the back, you can't, which I think this is the only race that does that. Now here's the thing that I knew I was going to get heated at. This race, and I don't know if I'm reading this right, but I looked at a bunch of websites, starts at 10 p.m. on Saturday night. Yep. Our time. Yep. We are in the same time zone as Las Vegas. Yep. So that means it starts at 1 a.m. If you're Toronto, New York, Miami, Montreal, any of those very, very large cities. Yep. Qualifying is the same day. Mm -hmm. It starts at 12 a.m. So mm -hmm. midnight, Friday hits, turns over to Saturday morning. We get qualifying, and then we have the race at 10 p.m. that night. What the fuck is 
that. That makes no sense at all. It gets yeah. dark here at 6 p.m. If you want a night race, you can start it at 6 p.m. You can start it at 7 p.m. Why are you, no one on the East Coast of North America is going to watch this race live. This this race, the, the, the start time for this is 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 bad for everybody. It, everybody. It, everywhere in the world. So this is the one I was telling you about last week. There was all this bitching and moaning and complaining in London where they're like, oh, we're gonna have to get up at 6 a.m. for a Formula One race, which we're all laughing at because like that's what we usually have to get up if we want to watch any of the European races live. But yeah. as you point out, this isn't even convenient or even good for the East Coast. Now, why are they it's doing not good it, for the same? It's not good why for the same time it? zone. For Why Europe and everyone else that watches, I get that, but don't have the race here then. Yeah. Well, because it's at they wanted a night race. Midnight. They wanted a night race. They should have started it at seven. Yes. They didn't need to start it at 10, but they didn't want it to be four o'clock in the morning in London. So they compromised and it was a dumb, a dumb idea. If you're going to do a Vegas race, do it right. Period. Yeah. Or as like you every said, city gets, it's the home city. It's the city where I the event agree. is taking place. It should be conditional. The time should be conditional on when it is best for viewers at the race. Okay, so here's the best part, though. Why is qualifying the same day as the race? I don't know. Is it because Britney Spears? What day of the week is the race? Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Thanksgiving weekend in the United States. What happens Sunday? Football. Which is fine. I'm okay with that. But but why is why is qualifying on Saturday, not Friday? Then, like, because when are they going to do practice? Thursday, do two do practice session. Thursday, do one. No, Thursday. I do agree two. with you. It's one, a two. dumb Friday schedule. Friday morning, do it third is, practice. This is the thing. The whole thing is set up to fail, yeah, and that's the shitty part. It is going to. This will fail because of it. That. Will make a mess. It will be a mess. And what I really love is, as you pointed out, like they have tried so hard to turn Vegas into like a private space it ain't like i'm sorry vegas is one of the oh. biggest tourist things i don't know if you've seen the like the viral videos online of all of the old oh, passes yeah. where people are like literally tearing down the vinyl coverings and the decals and stuff that have been put up on the glass and stuff it's like i'm sorry this is dumb you set it in the middle of vegas you put it down the strip i get you want to sell your premium tickets and you want to do all those things Truth is, this should always have just been a thing where you accepted you were taking over a city, sell your grandstand seats. Anybody who wants to get in there at two o'clock in the morning and wait till 10 p.m. So they've got a spot on one of those overpasses should be allowed to do that. It makes it better for the sport. The other thing is this is a reaction to like the growth of popularity that we saw in in the United States last year. Because obviously this was planned multiple years ago, but it was because of that growth. And since that point to this point with the Max Verstappen dominance that support is gone like yeah. the bump that it got has really diminished i don't know how if you feel this but i like no, there I, is a, almost a we're almost at like the formula one backlash stage where like yeah. there are people who are like why did i get excited about this because it's yeah. boring and yeah. i as one sitting here with you doing a podcast about it each week i'm not in that camp i i still see the value of this sport i love this sport i think it's really really awesome but you again have to dig a little deeper than just being a casual fan and the majority of those people who jumped on that bandwagon and that train at the beginning were casual and weren't ready to go all the way in this race was meant for those people and it took way too long to give it to them it should have been at the beginning of the year honestly that's when they should have done it but the re- the reaction to it, I think, is going to be very negative, and and, and that's d- unfortunate. But I think that's just the reality. Just if the people in Vegas thought they were annoyed by the stands blocking views, by those the they put up the glasses with the um, decals and stuff on it, which I think they're going to take those off anyways because I, I don't. Anyways, if they're mad about that, 
wait until they try to go to sleep at midnight on Friday or Saturday. Saturday, they're hey, all trying to go to bed at midnight. I know it's Vegas. About, like, we're not talking about like Omaha, Listen. Nebraska. It's Vegas. There's always loud things at night. There's not that. There's not going to be that loud. <laughs> There's going to be the loudest thing. It's, nah, you're Vegas literally, you're, never sleeps. Every that, I don't one minute and 30 seconds. Every one minute and 30 seconds, 20 different cars that sound like fighter jets are going to fly gonna by problem. your window. They're fine with that. They're fine with that. You know what? You what know about what? the 70 year olds that go to Vegas? Do you know the, the new big backlash? There's this big pushback now because U2 is leaving the sphere for the week because they didn't, the sphere is going to be a formula one element or whatever. And there's all this backlash online be like, yeah, I couldn't get you two tickets because formula one's in town. And you're like, Oh, great. Here we go. I just don't like, I'm so angry about the start times for this. It is pretty dumb. That part it's is so dumb. dumb. Again, it's, it's so like, dumb. who, who, who is this for? I just don't yeah. get that. Cause I, I'm, I'm confused who it's for. I mean, I guess, you know, actually, Come to think of it, there's one time zone where this is really great. Hawaii? Abu Dhabi, Qatar, Saudi Arabia. It's where all the money is. That's who it's good for. But just the going to this has to, this is probably the worst weekend to go to a race then. And I, I don't disagree with you. I also don't Imagine understand. Having the whole point of putting it on tickets. American Thanksgiving was to make it a thing. Well, you haven't made it a thing. No, you've you literally you've literally bumped it completely out of prime time. It should have been the biggest thing yeah. for ESPN. Like that's they should have been making it their Saturday marquee night, event. You know, like yeah, I don't get nobody, it nobody <laughs> in North America will be watching this live. Nobody. It is on 3 a.m. in New York, Toronto, Montreal. It is on midnight here. Nobody is going to be watching this I'll live. Watch it live. What are you talking? You about? and I will be because you're right. Like we're invested in this now. But the casual fans, the people that we talk to about Formula One two or three years ago, they're not there anymore. Yeah. It's you and me out here. That's it. And then the well, people I'm... that listen, obviously, thank That's you. Yeah, right. you guys are thank great. You. Everybody, you're great. That's right. Um, but even that, I bet you everybody listening right now knows at least two or three people that have stopped watching over yeah. the last year. And this doesn't help. That's the sad thing. It's just, it this was meant to be Max a reward. Max Verstappen ruined this. He ruined it. Max Verstappen <laughs> ruined Formula Actually, One. Actually, to be fair, Nicholas Latifi <laughs> ruined it. Yeah, <laughs> Nicholas Latifi. All right. On behalf of Tyler and myself, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back in a couple weeks' time. As I uh, not this week, this time for real, Tyler. I double checked. Yeah, not Sorry, this everybody. upcoming weekend. In another weekend on the seventeenth and eighteenth of November, from the Vegas Strip. We'll see how it turns out, uh, and we'll talk to you the following. I guess Monday or Tuesday. Uh, seeing it's a Saturday race. Who knows what anymore? Fun. Who well, knows technically, anymore? for most of the world, it's a Sunday race. Sure. It'll be for me, too. I'm not watching that Saturday night, 10 p.m. All right. I'd uh, watch it until, at 7. And until next time, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Go uh, check out the rest of the podcasts on our network by visiting ordinarypodcasts.com. Send us an email at pitstop at ordinarypodcasts.com. Uh, if you've got a question for uh, for bo- uh, mail, what is it called? Mailbox box, mailbox, box. box, box. I'm all fired up now. All right. That's the rest <laughs> of that's a, That's our show. Good night. Goodbye. Pitstop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening.
The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.